casinos are on the way. Now lawmakers want to deal with the casino issue. And the Blue Jacket bailout is back. These topics and more this week on Columbus on the Record. From the Battelle studio at WOSU at Coside, this is Columbus on the Record, WOSU-TV's weekly analysis of the top stories affecting Central Ohio. Joining Mike Thompson this week, Karen Kassler, Statehouse Bureau Chief for Ohio Public Radio and Television. Gil Price, Managing Editor of the Columbus Call and Post. Terry Casey, Republican Strategist. Gamblers will tell you that if you play often enough, you're bound to win sometime. After four failures at the polls, casino operators this week finally convinced Ohio voters to expand gambling in the state. Thanks to a weak economy, wide union support, $50 million in campaign spending, the pro-casino side won passage of Issue 3, meaning that by 2012, gamblers could be sitting at card tables and at slot machines in Cleveland, Cincinnati, Toledo, and of course here in Columbus. Gil Price, what was the key reason casinos won this time where they didn't win the four previous times? I think the key reason, I guess you could say, is 10.8. I mean, the unemployment rate, when you look at uh, the unemployment rate in Ohio, Ohio voters have been pretty uh, adamant against it. Uh, and I think also the idea that the opposition this time uh, was a lot different than it was in the past. I think Strickland and uh, and and Vodovich were uh, are opposed in the past, and Strickland, you know, didn't really get involved in the same way he did in, in, before. And the unemployment rate was was crazy. And I think voters, if you look at where it passed, uh, yeah. you know, as opposed to where it failed, it passed in areas that have been hard hit by the economy. Yeah, Northeast Ohio, Cleveland, Cincinnati, at one by a huge margin. Right. And in two counties near Toledo, yeah. where, but it failed all throughout central Ohio. I think one thing this time was that the message, I mean, once they got the issue to the ballot, the message was hammered home over and over and over. 34,000 Ohio jobs, and they never wavered from that message. They were on the air from the beginning. They made that really clear, and it was hard to come back against that because, as Gil just said, 10.8% unemployment rate. And you could see the returns come in the early voters it was really leading in the early voters. So because they were out so early, I think maybe they got some of these people who voted by absentee ballot, and then the people who made their decisions late in the game, after Truth Pack really started going with their Dan Gilbert accusations and some of the other things that they were saying, they had already lost those votes. Yeah. I think you gotta give a lot of credit in the campaign. Of course, having 54 million, I think that'll be the final number, yeah. helps when you go to the casino and have that much money to win. Uh, you're you're more likely to get positive results, but there was more message discipline around the jobs issue. Uh, and one of the things when I looked at the map around Ohio, you look in southwestern Ohio, it wasn't just Cincinnati and Hamilton County where it won two to one. It's the surrounding counties, which are normally more conservative in how they look at things. But a lot of people there, either they themselves have been to see casinos and all the scare tactics about bankruptcies and alcoholisms and drugs didn't connect. And I'll use the example, I grew up in Coshocton County, a more conservative rural county, but the vote against it there was only 51.2%. It's when you look at the shades of opposition, the other side did not have the intensity out there because going back to the jobs issue. People might not have believed it'd be 36,000 jobs, but it's something is better than nothing. Also, the opposition 
there were competing interests that came together, two publicly, and as we found out, another competing interest came, was sort of at least stayed on the sidelines, the Lyle Berman from Minnesota stayed on the sidelines until the last minute, then jumped in real late. So you had those competing interests stayed out with the exception of Jacobs, so they didn't have the huge bankroll to fund an opposition campaign this but, time. But it was the whole message thing of, in the past, just yelling the devil and doom and gloom and scare tactics because people are more and more used to because more of their friends have been to casinos around Ohio. And the other powerful message that they used that was irrefutable was the billion dollars leaving Ohio. Nobody could say, well, that isn't true because they knew money was leaving Ohio because they had so many friends that have talked about taking a bus trip or going here or going there. And I think the uh, you mentioned Truth Pack and some of the groups that didn't have as much money. I mean, I think that's why Truth Pack waited to the end. I mean, normally that's a campaign strategy that would have worked. But when you've got early voting factored in, people have already made their decision. Hundreds of thousands of people had made their decision by the time the um, allegations against Dan Gilbert had come out with regard to his arrest on an illegal bookmaking charge. And so I, I think that played a role. You also had some of these groups that were never very well funded, the Ohio Roundtable, the church groups. They have been depleted over the last couple of years by trying to fight these gambling issues that they didn't have anything left. The, how about the odd-year election? I know they had 40% turnout statewide, which was big for an odd-year election, but every other time they had tried this, they were either voters were either picking a president in an even-year election or a governor, and the, the turnout was, on average, 20 points higher than what we saw on Tuesday. Well, organization is key when you have a low-turnout election. Organization is key, and everybody had said that, you know, this was organized like a real, I mean, like a serious campaign. But I think it wouldn't have made much difference because the kinds of folks who were coming out, you know, lower income voters who might have felt more comfortable voting for it anyway, I would have thought that a more conservative group of voters coming out in this year might have actually voted it down rather than voted it up. But, but you did have some church leaders that were actually in support of it this time because of the jobs issue, saying that we just can't justify now if there really are going to be even a couple thousand jobs. Our people need work. But I'll take, make the point, this was a serious year. A lot of people were kind of like, you just couldn't throw a lot of stuff up on the screen and hope some stick and just create doubt because people kind of like, this was the professional voters and they thought more about it. And also the negative side did not exploit one of the advantages they had of virtually all the newspapers, except in Cincinnati and Cleveland, being against it with some very specific reasons. But instead they went after kind of the emotional issues, hoping that would connect, but it didn't work as well. Why did it lose in Franklin County by a real good margin? I mean, the economy here is a little bit better than the rest of the state, but it's not going gangbusters. Why did it lose by the you know, 10 points or so here. But I think it is a little bit better, and that I think is an important point. I mean, you know, think about a Toledo, for example, where when you drive through Toledo and you see, you know, the big Jeep plant practically, you know, practic practically idle, I mean, not completely idle, but practically idle up there, and you see, and you go to Cleveland and you see places that are hit, I, I would be curious to see what it what it did in Wilmington, quite frankly. I mean, when you got a DHL and and you got a, you got a county like it that, passed that's, down there. That it was passed like, down. Oh yeah, they did last year as well. The the one yeah. that would have yeah. created mm -hmm. the casino yeah. down there. Yeah. Okay, okay. So now what? Casino developers promised to begin construction next year and have all four open by 2012, but state lawmakers, after refusing to deal with casinos for years, are now trying to change the terms of the deal. Among other things, they want a higher tax rate paid by casinos. 
But to do that, they have to change the Constitution, and to do that, it has to go back on the ballot. Karen Kessler, what are the chances we'll get to vote on this again in May? I think there's a very good chance we'll get to vote on this in May. We have some lawmakers who are thinking about changing the tax rate. One lawmaker has suggested 60%, which the casino developers have said would be just ridiculous when they're already trying to compete against casinos in other states that have lower tax rates. But I think you're also going to see some other tinkering. I mean, the legislature has to deal with enabling legislation to put this whole thing together. They've got about six months to do that. And there are some lawmakers who are saying we can make some changes without going to the ballot. But if you're going to make substantial changes in this constitutional amendment, you've got to put it back before the voters who've just approved this and might be a little confused as to why they're seeing it again. Mm -hmm. And you do have some people who really say that the idea that Columbus voted it down and would still have to host one of these is something that they can't stand and they want to try to see that they can make some changes on that. But I think there'd be a problem, though. Yeah, I, we, we know who would, uh, who would fund a campaign to oppose an increase. We don't know who would fund a campaign to support one. So even if they have the legislators who would be willing to vote for it, you don't have anybody who would be willing to actually fund the campaign, I don't think. I can't think of a, an interest that would be willing to fund it. Well, let me play a little bit Lee Corso and say, not so fast, my friend. <laughs> One good thing is we're approaching Thanksgiving and Christmas. The legislature normally doesn't do that much now. And it might be just as well if they don't do anything for a couple of months because they really need to think about a lot of different things because under this amendment, the governor's got six months to appoint members of the commission. They need to give a lot of thought to how you drop these rules and then what happens with the tracks, what happens with the governor's slot or VLT plan. So the fact that they don't have to do anything in six days or six weeks could be well because most people in Ohio haven't thought about how you regulate how you set these things up. But if they do want to stop the casino in Franklin County, they have, what, 60 days to get this together to make to the May ballot? I mean, they, they do, they are on a timeline if they want to stop it here or if they want to have it move to another location but, rather than the arena but, district. But there's other ways to stop it in Columbus. I'll give you the example. July 4th, 2004, an easy date to remember, is when Pennsylvania authorized its 14 locations. How many are open in downtown Philadelphia? The number is zero. They haven't opened yet, they haven't even started to build. Because when you try and get something going in an urban area, there's a lot of zoning issues, and specifically in Columbus, this site is not the best site because of environmental, infrastructure, uh, all those kind of yeah, things. We're still doing a lot of environmental work right now when we were taken down there by the developers a couple but, of days ago. But let's look at the practical side. Say Columbus does this sort of you know, four corners delaying tactic, but Cincinnati builds theirs, Toledo builds theirs, Cleveland builds theirs, and then those, that billion dollars that's not going to West Virginia is now going to three other cities around the state. Aren't, isn't Columbus going to have to move off the dime not to well, lose out to the those the voters folks? here rejected it, zero, it's yeah. not, I mean, they want the money, but they rejected the casino. I mean, there and, is a, a yeah. question the, about that. And there are certain powers in Columbus who have a little louder voice than others because they might have an insurance company or an arena district oh, or really? a newspaper <laughs> or a TV <laughs> station, <laughs> and they have some pretty pronounced opinions about that issue, which they expressed on like Sunday before the election and the Thursday after the election. So I think Columbus, there's going to be some discussion about what things. about this? I mean, should I mean, okay, that's the economics. Columbus might lose out economically if they opt out. Parts of Ohio didn't vote for Ted Strickland. He's our governor. Should they? Should one county be allowed to say 
we don't like the results, we're gonna opt out of this. Well, we know in taxes, if your area of town voted against a school levy, then you don't have to pay for it, right? Yeah. It doesn't quite work that way. <laughs> well, and if, if the casino had passed last year and Wilmington, Clinton County had rejected it, they still would have had the casino, so. Yeah. yeah. Or Lorraine would tell you, well, we voted for it in 1990, why didn't we get a casino even if the rest of the state rejected it? But I think the other issue is going to be, will there be saturation of these things? I mean, I mean, the more gambling you put out there, I mean, there's only so many entertainment dollars, and and the question is, the idea that the money that the money we're spending now is going out of state, that doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to be an increase in money coming to the state. So will 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 if there's a billion dollars, will it just mean that that folks rather than coming to Columbus, who want to gamble, will go to other cities? and maybe it won't have that big an impact on Columbus. What, what will the arena district look like if this opens up in three years? Any well, guess? Well, well, that really gets to the question of do we have the Blue Jackets and anybody in the yeah. arena? That's the bigger question of we'll the future the moment, of, yeah. of, of the but arena. So assume the Blue Jackets are here and they stay. What, what, uh, what will the arena district look like? Well, if you're going to operate this kind of facility with the number of employees and the number of people that go there, there's a massive amount of money the city of Columbus has got to spend or allow to be spent for street widening, for sewers, people getting on and off. Try right now from that site to get on 315. You can't get from here to there. And again, it gets back to the point, they didn't pick a good site partly because the powers of be in Columbus didn't want them at city center or didn't want them in the arena district. Any chance it ends up at city center? I know it's a park. And it's no, it, it won't be at, at city center, but there's, there's going to be, in future shows, we're yeah. going to be talking a lot more about this issue. All right, let's get to our next topic. There were other things on the ballot, of course. Voters changed the Constitution to establish a new regulatory board to oversee how cows, pigs, and chickens are treated on farms. Southwestern City Schools finally got its levy passed, and Ohio Republicans were quick to cheer gubernatorial wins in Virginia and in New Jersey. They hope it's a sign of things to come here in Ohio. Terry Casey, is it a good barometer, the, vi the victories in New Jersey and Virginia? I'll give you a firm and definite answer, yes and no. <laughs> and, and the no side of it is you've got to give a lot of credit to New Jersey Corazine his negatives were like 50 or 60 percent. His positives were only 30 percent. In Virginia, my son lives in Charlottesville. I've got some other friends there. It wasn't all about Obama. It was a lot of it was you had a Republican candidate who was very smooth and articulate. You had a Democrat candidate coming out of a bitter three-way primary who was not very articulate. So it's reason for cheer but you just can't assume automatically in 2010 that the Democrats are going to give up and say it's all yours, we don't have a chance of winning. In 2001, which people don't like to remember, mm -hmm. George Bush had 87% popularity in November. The governor of Virginia was Jim Gilmore, who was then the National Republican Party chair, and Mark Warner defeated Mark Early for governor of Virginia. A Democrat won that state and a Democrat took back control of New Jersey. In other words, the, the mere image of what happened here, except Bush was a lot more popular. So two, year, two years later, I mean a year later, Republicans actually defeated a trend of 70 years and won eight seats in the Congress. So, you know, the, the reality is 
depending upon what the circumstances are, you can never predict this stuff. And people like to say, oh, it, you know, the Democrats are doomed and, you know, it's all over. You know, you wouldn't have said that in 2001 and been right in 2002. And you don't know exactly what's going to be like in 2010. Well, they do agree, though, that uh, the campaign is already underway. The 2010 campaign is already underway. And, you know, uh, Chris Redfern, the chair of the Democratic Party, is saying we won at a lot of levels. Okay, we lost the mayor's office in Dayton and in Toledo, but we won a lot of areas where Republicans typically win. We held a lot of offices, like the mayor's offices in Cincinnati and Cleveland. But, of course, then you've got Kevin DeWine with the Republican Party saying, look at what happened in Virginia and New Jersey, and that's the kind of thing that we're looking forward to. And if Ted's, if we were Ted Strickland, we would be terrified. Would it, would it, would it be Rob Portman who perhaps is more heartened by national trends because he's running for the national office for the U.S. Senate? Well, and also in New Jersey, they tried to beat the now soon-to-be governor of New Jersey because he had been a U.S. attorney for George Bush. And they ran commercial after commercial with him joined at the hip with George W. Bush. Uh, I mean, you Rob can... Rob Portman, former Bush budget director. A absolutely. So to a certain extent, if it didn't work better than it did in New Jersey, why is it going to work here? One more national note. Doug Hoffman, the conservative who ran and lost for Congress way up in upstate New York, lived nine miles outside of the district, according to Google Maps. He lived in Lake Placid. The nearest city is Seneca Falls, and it's about nine miles away. Rings a bell with what's going on here locally. Can we, can we equate <laughs> Doug Hoffman with Paula Brooks? Obviously, a polar opposite when it comes to politics, well, but he didn't live in the district. Well, there's apples, and then there's giraffes. <laughs> <laughs> they, they, they aren't even close yeah. in that district. But okay. uh, the congressional thing, I think the bigger thing, what happens on health care, what happens on the energy taxes and cap and trade, those are the issues that are going to be debated in 2010. And what happens on mobilizing, too, yeah. because the one thing that, that Chris Redfern understands is he's got to mobilize the people who voted in 2008 to come out in 2010. If he can mobilize, if he can get turnout uh, approaching 2008 levels, he knows he's got a very good chance of winning. The Democrats have a, an advantage, a registration advantage in Ohio, so that's a one million, right. A yeah. one million vote advantage in Ohio if folks come out to vote. But the big problem of 09 was that base of 08 was nowhere to be seen or found in 09, and I think they're going to have a hard time getting people well, excited. Well, well, see, that's what happened. If you look at Dayton, which was interesting, you had a guy in Dayton running as, a, running as a, an independent for who, mayor. For mayor, who said some absolutely inflammatory, wrote some absolutely inflammatory things. He, he wrote, I'm not biased, I'm not bigoted, I'm just prejudiced. And I mean, and some other things that he wrote. Um, what I'm saying is, if, if you couldn't get voters in Dayton, you know, African American voters in a state, in a city, 43% African American, to come out on that basis, then, then, you know, you've got a problem, in, at least in Dayton. What's that? And that's the kind of challenge I think you're going to face in 2010. Livestock issue passed very easily. Why is that? Again, fear of losing jobs? Well, part of it was the ballot language. When you looked at it, it looked like, well, a livestock standards board. That sounded fine. And I actually think what part of what helped issue three, in addition, was you had veterans bonus, this livestock thing, yes, and yes, and another yes. yes. Yeah. Uh, there was kind of a little bit of a role going on. And there was no organized opposition for issue two. I mean, there yeah. were some people who were opposing it on environmental grounds, on animal concerns grounds, some people opposing it because they don't want yeah. the government involved. Yeah, so. Humane Society sat out. It was mainly the smaller farmers who had any kind of organized campaign. And Ohio's a state of meat eaters. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> Southwestern City Schools, fifth time 
No. Fourth time was the charm down there. And it might have been the bigger turnout helped them. And actually what happened, instead of just threatening to cut out sports they and the ban, they actually through. did yeah. it. Yeah. And people they realized, uh-oh, this is not good long term. Yeah. And they put they in the it. activity fees for playing sports and they cut the budget a little bit and got concessions from the teachers. So help sell it to folks who are seeing their wallets pinched. Now to our last topic, the Blue Jackets are back, back on the ice, of course, and possibly back looking for help from outside interests. The Chamber of Commerce asked a retired OSU business professor to look at the Blue Jackets', Blue Jackets finances and their deal with Nationwide Arena. The report says the Blue Jackets are losing $12 million a year. Their, the team blames their plight on its lease agreement with Nationwide Arena. Now officials have begun public discussions on whether and how to help the Blue Jackets. Terry Casey, you predicted this last week. Yes. Should taxpayers help the Blue Jackets make a profit? Well, they don't want to make a profit. They'd just like to not lose. I think they'd probably like to make a profit. No, they'd be very happy rather than losing $12 million a year. But even if you could magically make the lease costs go away, yeah. that's only $5 million of the loss, and even $12 million loss doesn't guarantee a true championship level team. It gets you Rick Nash, who's very good, and a good team, now competitive. Uh, but this is gonna be a big, there is no magic solution, and it's costly, because it isn't a one-time $12 million, it's $12 million or more every year. And it's really a question of the community, is having an NHL hockey team worth that amount of money and who pays? Didn't we talk about this a couple months back, back in June? I in mean, why are we talking about this now and is there a coincidence that the casino issue passed and it's in no, the no, arena it's district? Nothing to nothing? Do, nothing to do with the casino thing. The real thing is, as I predicted last Friday, young John McConnell can't afford to write $12 million a year checks for the next 25 years. But you it know, came out 36 hours after the polls closed. I, it just it made me wonder the timing because they had said this was in talks for a long time. They wanted to get something done. I mean, you know, the, the time is of the essence, but boy, that timing is just really interesting. Well, least. sometimes but, conspiracy yeah. theories are overstated. <laughs> I think it just happened because they know the timeline. They got to okay. figure out what they're going to do. But I think there's another issue, too. I mean, Columbus has this image problem in its own mind. Columbus wants to be a major league city. And the idea of losing, you know, I mean, I remember, I remember when they first came. I mean, I remember when, not just when McConnell, but I'm talking about with uh, Lamar Hunt, with the crew, and the whole sense of being a major league city. It was a part of the city's identity. And how much are you prepared to pay at this level in, in, in this size of a city? for that sense of cachet. But Lamar Hunt said the deal that the Blue Jackets got wasn't good enough. And they were gonna, they, they couldn't do it without taxpayer support. Right. He's but, right, he well, was right. Well, the taxpayers had a chance in 97 and they said thank you, but no thanks. And right now they're happy to have millionaires subsidize it and let the diehard fans pay the 60 or 70 or $80 ticket price. Who is gonna pay this? It's not gonna, you don't see a, a, a a, a sales tax, sweeping sales tax across the board. It's going to be a localized, if there is a tax, it's going to be a specific tax like rental cars, Same booze, taxes? cigarettes, maybe even a surcharge on parking or tickets down there. Well, 12 million a year is a lot of money mm -hmm. and you can't get that much money just from a parking tax around the arena district. And I guess the thing that confuses me, I mean, the economics of this thing, you know, the, the, the Blue Jackets play to a capacity crowd 
every game they play, I thought. This, well, no, recently it, they it, have. It, it tailed off. It, it tailed one of the things in the report, it, it noted during the first two or three years they were near capacity, but then it's leveled off because people, Columbus is a town that likes to support winners, like yes, Jack Nicholas's Memorial Tournament, yeah. like Ohio State, yeah. uh, and if they think you're average, their interest drops down. So it, 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 it's still good attendance, but not... Well, and part of it is the whole economics of the National Hockey League. They don't have the a big contract. They don't have a TV contract, yeah. let alone a lucrative TV contract. I thought contract. they had the versus. I thought versus. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's was, nickels and dimes. Nickels and dimes. Not exactly millions lucrative. and billions. Like it, the it was lucrative, NFL but not as, not as good as ESPN would have been. Plus, you got to remember they had a. They didn't play for a year. Right. Well, and what about the uh, um, the economy of just going down there as an average yeah. person going down there and paying you know five bucks for a pretzel and ten dollars yeah. for a beer or whatever it is? I mean that's a lot of money, yeah. and you know a lot of people maybe are not choosing to have that experience because they don't feel like that's yeah. worth it. We got to get to our weekly off the record comments from our panel. Final thoughts, predictions for the weeks ahead. Karen, you're up first. Well, I have a poll idea for this. Isn't a prediction or anything? It's just a thought. I, I'm wondering about if you did a poll, poll campaign ads. Christmas commercials now, which is more annoying, which is worse? And I've just, I, I can't believe we've traded campaign ads for Christmas ads already. And it's good for just, the, good for the I know industry. it's good for the media, but it's just, it's really, uh, it rushes things along that we just seem to just go right from campaign season right into shopping season. Gil? I think it's going to be interesting to see as the uh, 2010 gets closer, uh, whether or how these guys actually not just spin the results of the campaign, but actually reformulate their strategy based on what happened in, two, in, in the election uh, 2009. Terry. And I'll predict, I'll try for two in a row being right, the casino on that site west of the Arena District will never get built. Lyle Berman will operate the casino in Cincinnati and Harris will operate the casino in Cleveland. Will it be in Columbus somewhere? Uh, it's very well because there's going to be a round two of what do you do with tracks and other yeah. towns like Youngstown and the Mahoney Valley that want something. Okay. That is Columbus on the record for this week. A reminder to check out our website. You can read and comment on our blog. We offer streaming video of each show in case you miss us on Friday night or Sunday morning. And you can check us out on Facebook. All that's at our website, wosu.org slash C-O-T-R. For our crew here at WOSU at COSI and for our panel, I'm Mike Thompson. Have a good week. <laughs>